0: Thanks for listening to the high street young adults podcast for more information and how to get connected check out highstreet.org young adults guys hey good evening welcome to young adults i'm really excited to be here my name is jared bone i'm the young adults pastor here i get to uh do this all the time so this is uh really fun uh hey Uh, Guys, this is the first of the semester, who's glad to be here? All right. Hey, well, we're starting a new series. We're starting a series called Grow, and I'm doing things a little bit different tonight. Normally, we kind of have one piece of scripture, one piece of the Bible, uh, and kind of live in that with some other verses that support it. But tonight, uh, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. Uh, If you have your Bible, uh, keep it with you. Keep it tight. We'll be moving around a little bit. Um, They'll be on the screens or in the app as well. But we're starting a new series called Grow, and I think it's a, a pretty good series title, a pretty good thing that we have going this time of year because it's January. It's January 21st. Like, did anybody go to the gym for the first time this year? Right? Hey, let's get Who went this week? Yeah. All right, a couple more people. That's good. That's good. Like, everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants gains, right? Where's Tyler Haneywinkle at, right? Um, everybody wants some type of growth. Everybody wants some type of uh, new things in their life. But growth is hard, right? Growth has uh, some things that go with it. I, I have a friend who uh, was just posting on Instagram uh, today and yesterday, he went to the gym for the first time and he was like, it's hard. You gotta break old habits. You gotta start new ones. You got to uh, have a refreshed new mindset. You gotta do some things that you're currently doing in a different way. So it, it's hard, growth is hard. Um, one of the things that we're gonna be talking about quite a bit, you got one of those sheets, uh, that, that packet with you, it's uh, called a grow guide. One of the things that's in it we're going to talk about tonight is knowing God's word, to know and believe God's truth. Um, But one of those things that uh, is hard about it is uh, we're calling these things spiritual disciplines. And the word disciplines has a lot of connotations to it, right? You hear disciplines in like, I have two kids, so whenever they do something wrong, they get disciplined, right? Like, So when you think about spiritual disciplines, you're like, well, do I have to do this because I did something wrong? Like, did I do something bad? Is that why I have spiritual disciplines? Um, But in reality, here's the truth about disciplines and why we're doing this uh, series in the first place is because through disciplines come freedom. Through disciplines come freedom. Donald S. Whitney wrote a book on spiritual disciplines and it's an incredible book if you can pick it up. Um, But in that book, the first line is discipline without direction is drudgery. Uh, I, I read the story this week of a guy named Luke Keekley. He's a linebacker for the Panthers and he retired this week. He's 29 years old. Everybody's a little surprised. Uh, he's a 99 in Madden, if that means anything to anybody. Really good linebacker, but he retired at 29 years of age because he was afraid of getting a concussion. But they said, Luke, what's your life going to look like post football? And he goes, I don't know. I'm going to have to go buy a TV. I haven't had one in six years. Because his discipline was, I'm going to watch film. So he said, I never watched TV because I didn't want anything to distract me from watching film. His discipline was watching film and it meant he's gonna get rid of a TV. Well, not having a TV to you might be drudgery because you don't have the same direction that he has. Man, I always appreciate when somebody's good at an instrument or good at a sport or good at doing something on a computer, not because like, wow, it's impressive that you can do that thing. No, it's impressive that you failed enough times that you've learned how to do it right. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, my wife can play the violin, it's impressive. I've heard it's one of the more uh, difficult instruments to learn. I can't make it not sound like I'm murdering a cat whenever I play that thing. Like, it's just a screech over and over and over. It sounds awful every time I play it. But why is that important? It's important that she had the discipline of the direction of what she wanted to do. So why, why would we bother with spiritual disciplines? We bother with spiritual disciplines because they give us freedom, they help us know the Father's heart. We, we know this in certain areas. So like uh, I went and ran a couple of weeks ago. I'm not, I used to run in, in college quite a bit. I could go run five to seven miles and be pretty good whenever I needed to be. Um, I went and ran a couple days, a couple weeks ago, ran two miles, and I thought I was going to die on the side of the road. Okay? But here's the thing with disciplines. We know that in, in disciplines, even in something, something like running, Your disciplines will give you freedom to do what it is that your body has the capacity to do, right? So say that I start eating better. My capacity for running will get better. Say that I start working out a little bit. My capacity for running gets a little bit better. Say that I work out my legs, my core a little bit. My capacity for running gets a little bit better. See, here's what happens in our relationship with God sometimes. We start a relationship with God. We realize our need for him, and then we just leave it at that. When in reality, God's heart is waiting there and Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me, you will find me. That I think a lot of us have just left God at, he's there somewhere. We haven't sought him with our heart. We haven't sought him. We haven't reached the capacity of what God has for our lives because we just left things at a very simple place. But here's our verse for this series. It's John 12, 20 through 25. This is what it says. John twelve twenty through 25, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was with from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And I, I reread this this week, getting ready for this message, and I just, I had to stop. They said, Sir, so we wish to see Jesus and I, I just wanted to stop and ask you, would you define your life? Would you define your actions? Would you define your desires by, I wish to see Jesus? Is that your desire? Is that your hope? Do you wish to see Jesus change you? Do you wish to see Jesus change your family? Do you, see, wish, do you wish to see Jesus change Everything about you. These men wish to see Jesus. So verse 22, Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And this is our verse, in these next two verses for this series. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it. And whoever hates his life in this world will lose it. Will keep it for eternal life. You all know what a seed does. A seed falls into the ground. You got one when you came in. It might have looked like a tic tac. You might, yours might look a little different. But you got a seed when you walked in. This seed, you could eat it. Somebody said, Man, what if I already ate mine? Uh, well, I don't know what you're in for if you ate it. Um, but you could eat it. You could cook it. You could, I don't know, make something out of it if you're a crafty person. But this seed will start to bear no fruit unless it falls into the ground and dies. And I think a lot of us are looking at our lives, the seed of our lives, and we're going, what does my life mean? What purpose do I have? But unless we're willing to do what Christ did, unless we're willing to follow Christ's example and lay our lives down, our lives may not amount to much. They might on earth, but those things can't follow us into heaven. So I give this to you to say, Do what you want with it. But does your life mimic that of those Greek men that say, I want to see Jesus and see the fruit? Or does it mimic someone who doesn't care about their life? Because I think sometimes we look at the finished product. We looked at someone who's walking with God for a long time and we say, man, I want that. But I'm not willing to do the work. I'm not willing to let the seed go and die so that it can bear fruit one day. And I'm asking you right now, before we even start on what we're talking about tonight, if you would commit over the next six weeks in this series to say, I- I'm going to try it. There's six things that happen in that grow guide that you've got. Some of them you might be doing great at, and that is awesome. See what you can do more of. That's great. But there might be some things in that that you say, what's the purpose in this? To know the heart of your creator. Would you be willing to maybe shift some things to maybe put some things to death in your life, to maybe start making some sacrifices so that your life could one day bear fruit? Are you willing to plant that seed in your life? Will you make that commitment right now? Hey, before we talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, will you just pray with me as we dig in? God, uh, I love you and I'm just so thankful for this group and what you've already started doing in hearts and what you've already started doing um, in the lives of everyone here. And I just pray that if there's anyone who doesn't know you that tonight, they, they would feel the pull of your Holy Spirit to come to you and to worship you. Um, and God, I just pray that each of us would live our lives more abundantly, that we would live our lives in reflection of you and your goodness. God, that we would, our lives would bear fruit, that our lives would mean something after we're gone. God, we love you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So my, this, the, the saying tonight, the heading for this message, what I'm going to call it is, why would we commit to the Bible? Why commit to the Bible? Now, I'm not gonna give you all my how-tos of how I read the Bible. Um, there are some ways that when our, our Next Steps team would love to talk to you about that. I'll be down there afterwards and I would love to talk to you about that. But I wanna answer the question, why would we read the Bible? Why, what, what is it, why is it important? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this about the Bible. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The NLT says it this way. It's profitable to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The, The Bible is our communication, God's communication with you and I. It's our communication with God, that the Bible is this thing that God wrote. I think a lot of times we look at the Bible and we go, man, God, why won't you communicate with me? I've been praying to you. Well, that's some of our communication with God. But we go, God, just show me a little bit, give me a little sign. And then we wait for some things to kind of line up that could be coincidence, it could be God. And God can speak however he wants. And God can speak with an audible voice if he wants. But I think sometimes we leave behind what my Bible has is three, 1,388 pages of his word directly to us. And we're looking for God out in the stars when in reality he has a handwritten note to you and I that we're leaving behind. Why would we read the Bible? Because it's God's communication to you and I. The Bible is inspired by God. That verse talked about how The Bible was inspired by God. It has 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. It's separated into two sections in the Old Testament, which is God's story of redemption of a people that kept running from him. That they just kept trying to get away. And then they'd realize, man, we've been doing it wrong. It's about God. And they'd return to him. And he'd still continue to love them and save them. And he set up this story. He weaved this story all throughout. He said, one day a redemption is coming. And it was silent for hundreds of years at the end of the Old Testament. But in Matthew, this good news broke through like a ray of light that Jesus was coming and that he was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament talk. He was the fulfillment of all of the law. He did everything that the people in the Old Testament couldn't do and fulfilled the law and then died a death he didn't have to so that we could have life through him. That's the Bible. The Bible is God's communication to you and me. And, and, and I, I prepped this a hundred different ways and the Bible's chock full of stories and, and different things to know God's word and why it's important. And, and I'm gonna share some of those. They really are an important thing. But if I thought, how can I use my time? What can I do? I, I really just couldn't get past the idea of, I just, I want to stand in front of you and implore you to know God's word. To know it like the back of your hand for a myriad of reasons, but to know and to believe God's word. I have a couple things that that we should know, that we should know and believe. We should know the real thing. That's the first point tonight, that we should know the real thing. It's important um, because our enemy, the person that's against us, is a deceiver. He's a liar. In Genesis 3, verse 1, at the very beginning, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, That the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Did God actually say that you shouldn't eat of the tree of the garden? And this is where I was reading this, and I had to stop. And it was like, A lot of times I'm convinced that, like, if Satan's attacks against me are from left field, they're from, I mean, if if God's on the north, he's on the south. It's from, but his first attack came from him just kind of leaning in and going, Hey, did, did God really say it that way? it's a twisting it's a manipulation it's a small way of saying did did he say it that way or did he say it this way did he say it this because he didn't really god's selfish he didn't want you to be able to do this so did god actually say he's a deceiver the thing that might be the thing that's going to bring you down is a slight deception now his intentions are from the other side his intentions are to steal kill and destroy there's no doubt about that, but he's going to find a way in through a twisting, through a manipulation a lot of the time. That's why we have to know the real thing. We have to know and believe the real thing. I worked at a bank before, uh, right after college uh, and through the last couple years of college and uh, working at a bank. I remember the first time I walked into the back room. I don't know if I should tell you this or not. I walked in the back room and there's a, a money shipment. They have the Brinks truck that shows up and there's this plastic bag, probably like that big. It's just Bill's. Hundreds, fifties, twenties, and they were just like acting like it was no big deal, and it was my first day, and I was like, It's a lot of money. And they were like, Yeah, uh, you can help count it in a minute, and I was like, that money, like, that's cool. They were new bills, they felt cool, they stuck together. Uh, it was terrifying, I, w- I was convinced, I was like, there were like cameras in the room that we were counting, I was like, looking over my shoulder like, you see, you getting this? I'm counting it, it's nothing, it's my pockets are closed, like everything's good. Um, but one of the things that they did was they, they trained you with real money over and over and over and over and over. And they trained you with real money and they trained you with real money and they told you like, hey, the counterfeits are good, like, the, the printing looks awesome, the paper looks good. But when you're going through money and you're counting it, counting it, counting it, counting it, counting it, you come across something that's counterfeit and just doesn't feel right. And you stack the bills back up and you count it again. And you come across that bill and you look at it and you set it aside. Because the way that we find counterfeit is by being familiar with the real. The way that we find counterfeit is by being familiar with the real. Do you know God's word? Do you know God's word from what I'm saying? Are you just trusting me? Are you reading your Bible for yourself, coming in knowing what God's word says? Are you just trusting the people that you see, the people that are saying the Bible to you? Are you trusting that or are you reading it, having an appetite for yourself? Because I think a lot of us end up just going, man, that sounded awesome. That was cool. That was super convincing. That was really neat. And a lot of times it might not be a direct, in opposition to what God's saying, but it might be just a slight manipulation that gets us off track. We have to know the real thing. You have to know the real thing. The second thing is you have to know where it's guiding you. You have to know where it's guiding you. Remember we said that discipline without direction is drudgery. Man, the last thing I want you to do is to just open your Bible and feel like you hate it. Like, I, I really believe that if you open your Bible and start reading it, God's word is gonna do something for you. Now, I say that to say, there are seasons where it's gonna be difficult, but you should read your Bible in those seasons. Psalm one hundred nineteen, one hundred five 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Things feel dark. Your situation seem a little questionable. Your situation seem a little confusing. God's word is a lamp into your feet. It's a light into my path. A lot of times I think we can be walking in the dark for such a long time, we have no idea which way is up because we haven't been walking with God's word in a season that has been difficult or a season that has been spiritually dry for us. No, read God's word when it's hard. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. Does your soul feel divided sometimes? Does your soul feel like, man, I want to do these things, but I end up doing these things, and man, I have Christ living in me if you're a believer, and, but I still live in this flesh and my soul just feels divided? God's word is sword that cuts to the center. Have you let God's word be the light that guides your path? Have you let it be the sword that cuts to the division in your soul? Know where God is guiding you. One of the first things you see is that God is guiding you. And I have four little points here. God is guiding you to magnify God. That God's word guides you to magnify God. Uh, one of those ways is away from sin, to do the things that God wants us to do. In 2 Kings 22, I'm not going to have you flip there. This is a long story. You should read it for yourself. But in 2 Kings 22, there's a king named Josiah, and the kings that were there before him were not good kings. They did not follow God's way. So King Josiah was the king for a little while and he tells one of his servants, hey, go to God's house, go to the, the tabernacle, not the tabernacle, go to God's house and, and go and search and find the money that's there and give it to the people that need it, that, that are doing work. And this guy comes back and he has the word of the Lord. And when he does, Josiah tears his clothes and weeps. Because what he realizes is that God's word was telling him to live one way, but because of ignorance, he had lived another way. That God's word wants you to magnify God with your life. And I think sometimes it's easier to just, man, I've got God, me and him are good. Walking the way that he wants me to walk may not be as important to me. But I think we miss a lot of the ways that we can magnify God in our lives because we choose to walk in a way that doesn't honor him. He goes on to basically have a worship service where he reads the Bible aloud in front of his people, and then they start putting their lives in order of the way that God wants it to, and it's hard and it's difficult, and there are prophets that have to go away, and there are idols that have to be burned. It's not an easy process, but it's the way that God wants us to live, and it's worth it. It's worth it to know God's word. Know where he's guiding you to the character of God. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is the only way that we can know the character of God, is God's word. To read it, because God is always making us new. He's always making us, in the image of him, he wants us to be reflections of him out into the world. That's who he created us to be. And then when we're fulfilled in him through Christ and believing in Christ's son, in God's son Christ, that we have the ability to do that, but sometimes we choose not to. And we wonder why our life doesn't have fruit because, well, we've, we've not reflected the character of God to the people around us. That God wants us to, the God's word guides us to the character of God. And he says to do it in all seasons. He says to do it in all seasons. In Joshua 1, 8 and 9, he says, I mean, what just happened in Joshua 1 is Moses has led the Israelite people for years and good things have happened. And they they, they saw them move out of Egypt and all these great things happened. And then Moses made a mistake and they walked around Egypt forever and Moses died. And it had to have been this extremely difficult scenario where he was this leader, he was this Person who'd done all these great things, and now he's dead, and this is what it is that God has for Joshua. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to it all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be frightened? Why can he be strong and courageous? Because the word of the Lord has not left his mouth. Because he's built his life on the word of God. Because he knows what the word of God says. Is that you? That being strong and courageous in your situation is not going to come from you welling up enough strength on your own. It's going to come from knowing the word of God and believing it and holding it true. The fourth thing, know where God's guiding you. It's guiding you to Jesus. The whole book of the Bible points us to the person of Jesus Christ. John 5 says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You think that by doing everything that the law said would give you life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The scriptures bear the weight of Christ. That that is leading to Jesus. The Old Testament and the New, it all crescendos with the story of Christ. See, In the Old Testament, one of the things that they had to do for repentance, for coming back in relationship to God, is they would have to come to the altar. They would have to come down and they would have to kill something to show a sacrifice for the things that they'd done wrong. They'd have to bring the best of their flock, they'd have to bring the best of their herd up to God, God's temple and sacrifice that thing so that the wrath of God would be not poured out on them but poured out on their sacrifice. It's the story of the Old Testament. It happens over and over and over. And I just can only imagine the death and the blood how almost accustomed to it you become, year after year after year having to do that. And then, the story of Jesus is that he came and he was the perfect sacrifice. He wasn't just a sheep or a goat or cattle that didn't bear any blemish. He was a person. He was God, but also a person and he lived life Perfectly, He never sinned. He never made a mistake. He never failed. That if there was any person that could look at that blood sacrifice that had to happen and say, I'm out on this, it was Jesus. But instead he stepped in where each of us deserved to be and he said, I will be that sacrifice that they need once and for all. And to watch that blood sacrifice have to be finished. That that song that we sang It says, it is finished. Those were some of Jesus' final words. The sacrifice that's needed for your life is finished because of the work of Jesus Christ if you will believe in him. He's ready to take on all the guilt, all the shame in your life. And we're not quite finished yet, but if that's you, I want to just ask you, are you willing to give him your life? Are you like those Greek men who say, we just want to see Jesus. Jesus is ready He wants to have a relationship with you. Romans 10 says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, he's faithful and will forgive us of our sins. That's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're a believer in the room, this is everybody, I want you to know the word of God. For yourself, commit to developing a discipline, to commit to growing. Man, it may not look like much at first. It might just look like some dirt. It might just look like you buried what it is that God told you to do, and nobody sees it for a while, but you do. It's working. It may not even look like anything, but it'll sprout. Something will happen. I I think sometimes... We look at, man, why would I do this? There are seasons that are difficult. This last week in the life of our church, it was a really difficult time. That without God's word, we don't have much to hang on to. Psalm 1, 2, and 3 says this. The righteous man is what it's talking about. It says that his delight is in the law of God, the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night, but he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons and the leaf does not wither In all that he does, he prospers. It doesn't say that the hard seasons won't come. It doesn't say that once you start loving God, then everything's gonna be great. What it says is that your life will be like a tree planted by streams of living water that we look at something like an oak tree and we go, how do you get to that? It's 100 feet tall. The trunk is 10 feet around. It starts in some dirt. It starts in practicing something that the people around you may not like to practice. Whoever loses his life will find it. Will you do that? One of my favorite stories is in Exodus 34. And Moses has been meeting with God. And he meets with God on a mountaintop. And he kind of makes this beg of God, God, will you just, will you just come by me? And God, God does it. He comes, he comes by him and they have this conversation on a mountaintop. And he comes back down off the mountaintop. And people are like getting their distance from him. And people are like staying away from him. And he comes to find out that because of his time with the Lord, because of his time in the presence of God, his face is glowing. And he doesn't change his habit. What he does, he starts covering his face so that the people around him wouldn't be blinded or scared. Is that your story? Are you someone that you've been changed by your time with God? Does it lead to boldness for you? In 1 Samuel 14, there's a guy named Joshua, and there's this Israelite army that's at this low spot, and there's this Philistine garrison up on this high spot, and you know, they've got the upper ground, everything's looking good for them. I, I just I want to read it word for word. I don't want to miss any part of it. 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. That he believed in his heart, if I'm faithful, if I just, if I just do what God's asked me to do, maybe he'll move on our behalf. And what happens here later, He climbs on his hands and feet. He goes up to this spot. And in verse 14, At the first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, about half a furrow's length of an acre. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. In verse 16, And the watchmen of Saul, the Israelites in Gibeah, of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see what, who has gone from us. That what happens here is that two men went up, one man with great faith, another man that followed him. And then what you see is a bunch of men that were hiding in rocks, that were hiding in caves that said, hey look, Victory already happened. Let's jump on board. And I just wanna ask you, do you wanna be the person that spends time with God in your face clothes? Do you wanna be the person and not for your glory, but for God's that sits in the rocks and listens to someone else explain the Bible and go, that's good. Or do you wanna be someone that knows the heart of God and then other people will look at it and go, I don't know where he's going, but I'm with him. I see the victory that God has laid out ahead of him and I want to be there. Will you commit to knowing God's word? Wherever you're at, starting there and taking it up. One, if you're not reading God's Bible, just start. Just start reading God's word. Start in John. Read something. Read it for understanding. If you're not understanding something, read it a little bit more. Read it with someone else. Because I think the danger is is that we miss what it is that God has for us. And we miss the essence of God's heart because we're afraid of putting in time. We're afraid of letting that seed die. But whoever loses his life will find it. Will you bow your heads? mm mm-hmm.